show that's called The Heavy Hole. Welcome to it. Huh. We're bringing it to you Allegedly. Live. Allegedly. My name I, is Tom. It's oh, This is all allegations at this point. I'm Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. I'm trying to figure all of, all of it out. I had a dream that I was in jail. Uh, uh, oh, boy. With, uh, with Christian McKnight. Uh, all right. And he uh, had a secret room in his uh, jail room in his cell. I mean, it was weird because we we're all walking Allegedly. around pretty freely. So he pulled me in. And he showed me a secret room, and I was like, "Dude, this is going to get too much attention. Like, I have to leave." It's getting weird. So I was like walking down the hallway, and there was a, a urinal in the in the hallway. Yes, as so, they have in jail. So I stopped. Yeah, I pulled. <laughs> I pulled over. I pulled my put my blinker on. Pulled over. Are to, you sure it wasn't a water? Fountain? Take a pic. Well, here we go. So I. I'm, I'm peeing. I'm going number one in this urinal. And you know, like, the sound it makes when the pee hits the urinal? It's kind of like splashy. Well, yes. yeah. So that splashiness turns into the sound of popcorn popping. And I look, and I'm peeing inside of a microwave. Pretty cool. With popcorn in it. And then I look behind me, and there's a line of prisoners waiting to use the microwave. Huh. Getting more and more angry that I'm peeing in the microwave they're about to use. Because, I don't know if you know this, but, like, piss and food don't mix. Not man. sanitary. They don't not, mix. You, not normally. There might be a situation. So I spend, like, a couple of seconds trying to make it look like I'm cooking. But I'm peeing still. Yeah. So I end it real quick, and I'm... I sprint because I'm gonna get beat up in jail now. Yeah. This is like this is reminding me of like the show 24 with Keith Kiefer Sutherland. So I'm I'm sprinting, and I wake up. Interesting. And then I came in here to see you guys. And you're Justin. I'm Justin. <laughs> Welcome I, back. I'm a free man. <laughs> free man. Free again. That's where he's been the last few months. This is why we're number one on Oprah's list. That oh, just wow. happened this week. It just came <laughs> yes. in. Number one yeah. of uh, all the heavy, no, all the music podcasts. This is her yeah, favorite. She, she went to the mm-hmm. audience and she said, look under your seat. You're going to get a pair of Nike Air Monarchs. You're mm-hmm. going to get a pair of New Balance Dad shoes. You're mm-hmm. going to get a pair of Fila Dad shoes. Yeah. Everyone left them there. I, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I actually, coincidentally, Justin, it's funny you bring that up. I took a nap this afternoon. I took a nice nap. No way. Yeah, it was like cut, cuddled up. Yeah. You know, my cat, my cat real. you know, I, the, the, I turned off the music, turned off the lights. Yeah. My cat realized things were getting cozy. Cat joined me. I had a nice, um, I'm going to call it an atmospheric moment, like symphonic black metal. Like fog. Cascading over the land, like mm-hmm. the movie Fantasia, and I, I awoke from my nap. I had a little co- stirred my cup of coffee. Now I'm here on the Heavy Hole podcast. Nice. Look at uh, us. Yeah, it happened. We we did it. Very um, cool. Very cool. Uh, Tom, you're over there. You're back too. I am. Again. Yeah. Always always by my side. How you doing? Doing fine. Nothing to report as usual. <laughs> I'm studying. I'm going to the gym. That's it. Are you I'm studying? Boring. Are you studying at the gym? Yeah, yeah. like yeah. I'm picturing you like on a treadmill, running at full speed while <clears> listening <throat> to uh, a like a book, you know, audio book. I, headphones. I use one of the TVs at the gym as a monitor while I make programs. Yeah, I'm trying to break <laughs> taboos. Okay, I'm Did picturing those, him it's on a the, social statement. I'm picturing him on the bench press. He's got a book taped to the middle of the bar, and you can only read it when it comes into focus. Yes. Right, so it's a few lines at a time. Pumping it up, yeah. Like knowledge is power. I'm picturing like the the, the pretty, 
pretty much how it's been. I mean, I'm picturing. I'm, swole, I'm just swole right now. It's uh, the <laughs> swole from Swalt Disney. I'm, swole. <laughs> yeah, I'm picturing him uh, duct taping books to a speed bag and really hitting those books. Yeah, like literally hitting them. You guys just I, telling the folks how it is. I well, yeah, I'm picturing like that line of treadmills, you know, as they have in the gym. I've heard. I've, I've never been to a gym. Mm. But and then there's a TV up in front of it, and Tom has like you know hacked into it yes. to like learn C sharp and practice it while he's. A, mm-hmm. But there's like a bunch of senior citizens there, and uh-huh. they they're angry that they can't watch Fox News or something. because yeah, of what you did. Yeah, I, I uh, weird now. I'm obnoxious at the gym. Mm-hmm. You know how how so? Well, I'm just educated. A lot of noise. I'm showing the uh, the plebs there that there's more than one way to live. You'd well, be smart and very strong at the yeah. same time. That's well, it. Listen, there's there's plenty of ways to live this this life of ours. This underground death metal life. Um, Justin, that was an interesting share you had before. It kind of took me for a loop. Um, big shout to Christian McKnight, former guest of the show. Yeah, I haven't told him that yet. I well, haven't told he, him about now this. Now he knows. Um, with all due respect to that gentleman. I hope we, he's okay with it. We I'm wish not him saying the like best. he did anything wrong. <laughs> if I was going to pick former guest of the show, if I was going to form a dream team of former guests of the Heavy Hole podcast, I would want to be in prison with having my back. Not that I ever hope to be there. That happens. But I would probably start with Adam Rotella. Um... Paul Speckman. He's been around. He's been in the game. He's lived lived in different places. Right. I like this. Well, Moved to different people. Top five most jailable past guests. <laughs> Dave <laughs> Dave from Mortiscold. He's in the Marines. Yeah. He's got you know, he's got a lot of conviction. Very, very organized, very technical knowledge, very skill. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, man? Yep. Um, and I'm going to go, so if I got those three guys, like, having my back, those OGs, right. I'm also going to go Kyle of Undeath, because he's going to keep my spirits up. Okay. We're going to keep each other together. He's a positive, nice young man. Um, had the opportunity to meet the members of Undeath and uh, in, in all their generosity in their hometown of Rochester. Uh, my new project, Exsanguinated, we performed a little surprise set. At the Bug Jar. Big shout to Bobby and Oz and the whole gang up there at the Bug Jar. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I, I got to hang out with the guys from Undeath a little bit. Big shout to Kyle. Uh, because now you're going to get to hang out with them. And you're going to get to hang out with them. And you're going to get to... Everyone's going to get to hang out, just like Oprah said, with Kyle from Undeath. Get him on the horn. And give him a new car. Ellen hates us, by the way. Oh, boy. Big Will from the Heavy Hole Podcast, joined by my loyal co-host, Tom. Yep. And tonight our special guest is none other than Kyle Beam, guitarist of Rochester's Undeath. How are you, Kyle? Oh, I'm chilling. How are you, sir? Ah, I'm chilling hard, too, man. That's awesome. Uh, appreciate you. Appreciate your time. And uh, shout out to your bandmates, man. Thanks a lot for joining us. Hell yeah. Thank you very, very much for having me, both of you. 
Awesome, man. Yeah, and um, we, uh, you know, I, I said behind the scenes when we were booking you, uh, it's it's been a while because we we talked about Undeath a few times in the early days of the podcast, and um, uh, it's, it took a while to get you on. So we're glad we're here. And uh, before we get to the um, most recent album and some of the live performances you guys have been doing lately that we know about and all that, let's go back. Um, you yourself, Kyle, you know where I'm going. Are you from a particularly musical family? Or is there anyone that steered you towards rock or metal or anything of that nature? Oh, no one, no one musical, really. Uh, no, like, uh, no players. Um, but, I mean, my mother, because uh, I, I live with my mother. My, my father and my mother are divorced, so I grew up with my mother visiting my father. And, uh, you know, she would listen to, like, Lots of uh, like the local new metal station, like the upstate New York station for that stuff is called K Rock. I'm sure you guys have heard of it. Oh, oh yeah, we have oh, K Rock yeah. down here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. You know K Rock. Yeah. Hell yeah. So I grew. I was a definite K Rock child. My mother uh, was always playing that stuff in the car, and my dad. Um, well, not really like a metal guy now, or uh, even for the last like mad long. Like I don't know. He was he was really into like. Judas Priest, I think he said he caught them on the uh, on the British Steel tour, and he saw Sabbath on their like first album tour and shit like that. He was in like Maiden, but I don't think he was really into any obscure kind of stuff. Didn't really keep up with it, but uh, but yeah. Okay, and is is guitar your first instrument? No, actually, uh, my very first instrument is French horn. I was a French huh. horn player. And, all through middle school and high school, like early elementary school or whatever, late elementary school. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that uh, they did that that day at school where you get to go check out the instruments and uh, the French horn. I don't know if you know what it looks like, but it's got a lot of wraps, wraps around a lot. Yeah, it's very. It would be very long if you unraveled. I think I thought that was pretty cool about it. Huh. <laughs> Yeah, it actually it sounds pretty cool in um uh, over black metal arrangements uh, in some oh, bands. Oh hell heard. yeah, hell yeah! That's interesting. All right, so and and before we get any further with music, are you originally from Rochester, New York? I'm not. No, I actually grew up about three hours southeast of here, um, in a very small town called Munsville, New York. I actually live outside of the town as well, like out in the hills. Um, I. To put it in the perspective how small it is, I, I know from a public high school, my graduating class was like 38 kids. Um, so the music thing was pretty crazy out there because there was like none. <laughs> okay, and that that said so that, that speaks to we've we've covered this before on the podcast. Um, we had um, uh, Eric Burke of Salako and various other projects on the podcast once before. We had uh, oh yeah. Uh, Cam Schwartz of uh, the Growl Death Metal documentary, who's from um, Canada. And, and we talked a lot about upstate New York and how that's different from where we're from down here, Long Island and New York City uh, region. So just quickly f- to catch the listeners up who aren't from the area, Rochester, you're actually about a good six or seven hour car drive from New York City. Um, fairly close, closer, I would say, to the Canadian border than oh, to, like, to New York closer. City. Yeah. 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 Um, all right, and and now you're describing more of like a uh, uh, sparsely po- populated rural environment, right? That you grew up in. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely like a 12 minute car ride to my nearest friend's house all through high school. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, so 
it's fair to say then another typical heavy hole question that um, touring metal bands or record stores that sold metal or you know any, any like any, coming into contact with those kind of subcultures in person outside of the internet that probably was infrequent where you grew up. Oh yeah, dude. I jeez. Uh, I mean, I got into like underground music and stuff pretty early in my life, but I was never able to really go out and do that kind of thing until my, my good buddy, uh, Travis turned 16 and, uh, he was able to take his mom's car up to Syracuse, New York. That's where we go hit up like, uh, Oh God, I can't remember the record store out there for some reason off the top of my head, but we, we hit that shit and go to the lost horizon and see shows and stuff like that. Some other DIY venues. Okay. And what, type of music was like the, like prevalent in the was there a lo- like I guess you'd say Syracuse was probably the local scene that you were like um gravitating towards what type of music were you seeing at your first more independent type of shows was it hardcore was it metal like what was available uh so going to my first shows was like I was probably 15 and uh by that time in my life the metal had kind of taken a step back and yeah, I was really into like the like the like Syracuse I'm sure everyone knows is pretty known for like it's hardcore scene and there's still tons of hardcore bands in the Syracuse area and shit and uh so yeah like those kind of DIY shows I was going to um my first show I ever went to uh, I actually you know what the first shows I ever went to really were like my mom she'd bring me like some fucking metal shows and shit when I was like 13 but uh by myself, I believe Travis and I saw Converge at the Lost Rise. I think that was our first show. It was pretty dope. Huh. Converge. Okay. What what metal shows did your mom bring you to? Uh, well, she brought Travis and I both uh, to. Oh my god, the Summer Slaughter tour that had Necrophagus on it. Huh. I can't remember what uh, year like that was. Two thousand eight, two thousand nine. They were they uh, they were on two Summer Slaughters. I think the first two. Okay. Yeah. I believe this one. It was the one that had like, uh, oh my god, I don't know. I probably had like Born of Osiris on it and shit like that. I mean, I'm sure that the other Summer Slaughter did too had that band too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I think that guy Ash from Sumerian booked those. So, well, those. But that are- makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Huh. That's interesting to see Necrofed. Now, do you do you remember that making any kind of impression on you at a young age? Hell yeah! Uh, I loved, 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 loved love that band definitely getting to see them was like extremely dope i uh honestly i can't remember the the venue either uh it sucked though the sound was like awful Um, (laughs) it was very very loud Uh, that i do remember and it was my first mosh pit i think i saw too Okay, man. All right, and then all right. So, at what point do you go from the French horn to the guitar? Ooh, uh, in between is a uh, bass guitar. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, Travis will probably come up in a lot of stories because I mean, he was my one friend I had that was kind of into music. You know what I mean? Like in uh, in Stockbridge Valley Central High School, there were not very many people into underground music at all. So. Um, but he was a guitar player, and I picked up the bass guitar that I wanted to play with him. And uh, I honestly don't think we've ever played a note of music together. But uh, I played bass guitar for a couple of years, and I tried to like get better at that. And uh, eventually, I just—I don't even remember how I got it. Someone gave me an acoustic guitar, and uh, 
probably around like 15 or 16 or something. And I would just kind of learn how to do like cowboy chords and stuff like that. I didn't really start playing guitar, uh, electric guitar until I was like 19. Um, a little after I started college and, uh, and before electric guitar, I was a double bassist. I actually studied double bass in school for a little bit. Huh. All right. Ever perform live with that or with, uh, any of the other instruments be- before guitar? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, orchestras, uh, just like that kind of stuff, like classical music ensembles on double bass. Um, but bass guitar, not really. Oh, you know what? I was in a couple like DIY, like punk bands in, uh, in, in like uh, college when I moved to Syracuse and I um, did play bass in a couple of those. Okay. Well, that was going to be my other question is um, I didn't see anything when I, when I was looking up for uh, bands that you were in prior to Undeath um, that would have been writing original music and playing live. Yeah, um, basically right when I got done with high school, I moved to Syracuse to do, like, school, and, uh, just, I feel like every year I would just, like, meet new people, and we'd, uh, start some new shit, um, nothing metal, uh, honestly, it's tricky to find people who like metal, honestly, like, for me in my life, it always has been, um, but I was, I did, some of them were heavier. I was in like a band my last year of school where uh, it's like this weird combo of like sung melodic vocals, but also like kind of fast, thrashy, like right hand guitar parts. It, it was a weird thing, but uh, but yeah, no, just that kind of stuff. Okay, so then take me into the forming of Undeath, and you you talk about going to school in Syracuse. How do you end up um, being in a band that's known as as being from Rochester? Well, I dropped out of school, and uh, I l- was living at a show house at the time. Maybe correlation there, allegedly. Uh, mm. But um, I moved up to Rochester with my good friend Dylan um, because he had a place up here, and uh, I had nowhere to go. I didn't want to move back to Munzville. You know, like, that place, I mean, I, I've grown to appreciate Munzville in my uh, I mean, I'm not very old, but, uh, you know, I'm older than I was when I was 18, so I've grown to appreciate it, but I definitely did not want to move back there when I dropped out of school, so that's how I wound up moving to Rochester, and uh, I lived here for about a year, I would say, before uh, Undeath picked up, so I was I was just working at Tim Hortons, which was, oh, so miserable, <laughs> terrible, terrible job, and I worked there for a while. And then I uh, would just come home and I would practice. You know, I practiced before I went to work. And I was just like trying to get better at guitar. Um, and then one day, my roommate Dylan, he uh, showed me an Instagram video of this dude who, like, I sort of knew of him. I'd seen him in shows and stuff, but I had never said hi. And he's a pretty quiet guy too, so I didn't know him. But his name was Matt. Is Matt? And that's our drummer. So. Uh, yeah, Dylan showed me this video of Matt playing double kick drum, and I was like, holy smokes, dude. You know, I've played with, like, a lot of drummers, and I've never played with one that can do double kick. So we met up to have some beers and jam, and uh, he was just into, like, you know, underground death metal and all the same kind of bands that I am and shit. So uh just kind of worked out really well. Okay, and that's Matt Browning, right? That is Matt Browning, yes, sir. Okay, longtime drummer of Undeath. Um, and... 
before we get, you mentioned something I want I want to go back to. You said that you were living at a show house when you were in college in Syracuse before you dropped out. Um, tell us a little bit about that because I, I personally love house shows. Um, that DIY culture. There's been a few uh, show houses here on Long Island through the years that I had an affinity for and my bands have performed at. Um, uh, How did you get involved in that in the first place? How do you end up moving into the show house when you were in college? Well, I am not going to claim any credit. All of it was like my my boys, uh, Evan and Eric, uh, our house, their house. I mean, my house too, I guess I lived there. It was called Space Camp. Hmm. Uh. And um, I, honestly, I don't know. I mean, they, those guys were booking some shows around the campus anyway. And uh, there is there was only really like one fucking spot to do it. Um, there were two. There was there was this building called Badlands. It was a building with two spaces in it. And uh, one was called Badlands and one was called Spark Arts. And uh, a lot of the university like DIY shows would happen at Spark Arts. And then the, the Syracuse like uh local hardcore shows that happen in badlands and they were always at odds because the university kids were always like fucking smoking weed and drinking and shit and the owners never liked it so anyway though spark arts it's a little shot so i think my boys just wanted (laughs) to uh have a spot where they could do their own thing and uh they moved in and they needed a roommate so i moved in and uh both of them were Eric and Evan were both drummers in one of uh, some of my old bands, so like we already knew each other and played music and shit. But uh, and those guys did all the booking at the house. I just used the weekends as a really good excuse to party and get extremely hammered. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, any any bands of note uh, that came through there? You know what? I actually the I thought about this recently, and uh, I there were there are especially if you're into like the underground like indie rock kind of touring circuit, which I admittedly don't really know that much about but uh there is this band called crumb who at the time were not a very big band they had just they had a three song ep out and i i remember it's called locket and i remember it because it's fucking awesome huh. and they're like a group i believe they're four berkeley graduates i mean they're just like mega shredders and they play like really crazy like uh jazz fusion indie rock um I mean, it's like relatively technical. It's pretty dope music, and uh, I mean, holy shit, that band is like huge now. So uh, I don't know that one. Crumb. Okay. And any uh, any nights that that um uh, that come to mind that got things got a little out of hand, or uh, or maybe it got I don't know if it got shut down even or something like that. Cops coming. I don't know. Oh yeah, cops come. I mean, not all the time, but yeah, a couple times cops come, but. All they do is just, I mean, okay, kids, we're back again. It's time to play acoustic tonight. One your neighbors pitched or whatever. Um, geez, dude, we would get rowdy there. Uh, I do not remember, but I do have video footage of my friend and I just, we play this game called 50% Body Shots where you start <laughs> at 50% power and you can only punch in the body. And uh, gee willikers, that one escalated. There's some stairs, and uh, I don't know. Not a real fight or anything, but... Uh, 50% fight. Yeah. 50% fight. Yeah. It adds up. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what I what I missed by, by going to community college. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, well, your wallet's not messing it. But I dropped out, too, so don't worry. I dropped out for death metal, too, man. Kids, don't try it. Let's go. Yeah, so... All right, 
So um, you end up going up to Rochester there following uh, the Death Metal Dream. Uh, you hook up with Matt Browning on drums. Uh, Alex Joseph is also very early on in the band, right? On vocals. Yep, yep. So uh, not months after, maybe even just like a month, um, Matt and I had a couple songs worked out and we were ready to start uh, recording for a demo. And uh, yeah, we needed a singer. And I knew Alex because he is staying in a lot of Rochester bands. Oh, a couple. I mean, what, like four or five, I'm pretty sure. So, um, and I just knew that. I mean, I didn't know if he could do, like, death metal singing, right? It was just, like, an audition. But also, I knew that he was, like, a good front man, and I've seen him perform and shit. So, I know he can, like, count. I know he's not, like, terrible. So, yeah, decided to hit up Mr. Alex on Facebook. And thankfully, he was just like, sure, bro, of course. I would love to try to do that. And uh, the rest is history, as they say. Sweet. All right. So, uh, the rest is history. Uh, demo uh, 2019, uh, your first demo is cut. Um, tell us a little bit about that, too, just uh, the recording process. And also the artwork is very interesting. I always enjoyed it. Cool, cool, yeah, yeah. So, well, the, the artwork, all of our uh, album releases are, are like, uh, you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, all of our releases, the artwork is done by Matt, uh, Matt Brown, the drummer. Okay. Um, And... Uh, how that came about, I, I, we needed a logo. You know, we had been jamming. We had some songs and shit. This, I think it might have been might have been before uh, we we had hit up Alex, but uh, Matt was just like, hey, well, well, I got it. And I was like, all right. I, uh, sure, I'll let you. We can try that. So then he just, like, sent me. It's not the current logo we have, but it was it was pretty similar. Uh, and, yeah, I was just like, holy smokes, dude. I didn't, I didn't know you could draw but yeah, it turns out that he went to school for uh, for for doodling <laughs> or something like that. Maybe it was education. Maybe it was art education. I can't quite remember, but something to do with art. Did he also drop out for that? <laughs> no, no. I, I do believe that Mr. Matthew has uh, I th- I'm the only person in on death, I believe, who doesn't have a degree in. Uh, <laughs> well, every every member of Heavy Hole has dropped out of college, so it's not. A, oh, we're not judging. I'm a great company. We're feeling good here, guys. Yeah, yeah and exactly. I'm I'm usually the least successful member of any of my bands. T- pick a band. Oh yeah, me <laughs> pick, too, bro. Even bands I got kicked out of. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we'll leave it at that. All right, but back to your band. Um, uh, and we got a shout out to. I, I was released. Um, talking about your demo 19. Still, it was really. I, I'm just looking now on Metal. It was released. Uh, Severed Records uh, put it out on CD. Shout out to Barrett. Um, and Caligari Records put it out on cassette. I'm sure both of those are probably sold out by now. Um, hell yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we recorded, uh, not to not to uh, cut off the idea, you're just going with. Uh, I'm going to get back to when we hooked up with those two fine men. Uh, um, we recorded it. Uh, we used to play in this practice space. It's right across the street from the Genesee Brewery. And it's called St. Paul Practice Space. And uh, my God, there's like 55 steps that go up to it. No elevator. They're like sheer. I mean, it's crazy. So that shit sucked. And uh, we'd have to carry our cabs and shit up there all the time, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But it was also freezing. And we recorded that demo in like January, I think, maybe. I I think it came. You said it came out in February. I think we recorded it in January. So, uh,. God, how did we even do it? I think that I taped microphones to the drums. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I might have just like 
tried to throw like a loop through the ceiling for like an overhead. And if I remember correctly, I believe the overheads on both of the demos are fucked up. They were out of phase, so only one overhead is being heard on both demos. I I uh, I do not know how to to record things, just so everyone knows. But uh, so yeah, and then uh, so we did that, and there was like no click track. Matt didn't have headphones or anything. He would just he was just listening to my amp. I was trying not to get bleed into the drum mics. Beautiful. And then afterwards, I just overdubbed my guitars over that, and had Alex come in and do his thing. And uh, another little tidbit uh, for the vocals: I do believe we used a dirty, disgusting sock as a pop filter. <laughs> I love it, man. That's great, dude. That's that's like classic death metal recording tips. Uh, how to get those cryptic sounds? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Just don't know what you're. Yeah. Well, we've talked before, and I, it was even brought up. I think um, I read a lot of those metal books the last year, but you know, just the idea that some of those classic metal albums everyone loves nowadays from the early '90s were recorded by producers that had never even heard death metal. Uh, yeah, dude, in, totally. And you know, some of these Scandinavian countries and elsewhere. So. Uh, what what brewery did you say you were by? Ah, the Genesee Brewery, my friend. Yes, sir, because I was going to bring it up. I have a little bit of experience uh, with Rochester, um, and that was one of the kind of iconic uh, uh, Rochester landmarks I was going to bring up was the Genesee uh, Beer Brewery, and we do have a listener question submitted regarding that quickly. Uh, Zachary Mahoney um, wants to ask you, Genesee Ice, Jenny Cream, or Jenny OG? Oh, shouts out, Mr. Zach. Long time no hear from you. Uh, red Eyes all the way. OG, baby. Let's go. Jenny Ice, trash. trash. Mm. Stop making it. Stop making it. Oh. Well, I don't know. I'm not going that hard, but typically if, uh, I don't really like ice beers. I think they taste kind of bad, but that's that's fine. Well, typically ice beers, in my experience, are kind of like a uh, uh, how do I say this? It's, they're 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 cheap and they'll get you extremely drunk. Yeah, it's kind of like for for when malt liquor isn't available, you defer yeah, to yeah, like yeah. the the bud ice or God forbid the natural ice. At Na- this point in yeah. time, dude, every gas station has like. Hazy little things to your Nevadas or something. I feel like maybe the ice beer market is beginning to die. Who knows? Maybe not though. I don't drink. Well, the well. the seltzers are in. That is true, dude. So That's I true. Think... You could pick up a single thing of White Claw too. Huh? Yeah. That... The more we talk about this, the more I might have to re- revert back to drinking natural ice just to just to be just to be old school death yeah, metal yeah. and underground because everyone's man, doing ice. the other thing. So Will's got to do the not thing, you know. I... <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, I gotta be sick and drink the. Na- All right, we'll get off of that. All right, I'm so suffer. But shout out to Genesee. You know that Genesee cream. It was. Uh, I don't like a lot of flavor in my beer. That's a little too much flavor for me personally. But I'm not gonna go in on it like you did with the Genesee ice. But shout I to- agree with you. I mean, I think cream is lesser than that ice, but we'll leave it at that. Yeah, cream is good at a little bit in my coffee, not in my beer. Um, yeah. But but we'll get off of that because we got a lot to talk about with Undeath. Uh, I mean, you release now. Uh, if I if I can pronounce this right, man, it's not going to be as bad as when I um, uh, interviewed Eston Brown. Big shout to Eston with his bands, but <laughs> Sentient uh, Autolysis. Yeah, honestly, uh, I've heard it pronounced so many different ways. When you click on it on Google, it says Autolysis or Sentient but, Autolysis. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Um, so that one that, that came out the same year. Oh, yeah, I'm that, sorry, that, you that, that, no, I was. I, you, I cut you off to say the thing that you just said. It came out the same year, 2019, very quickly. Uh, so so go ahead, please. 
Um, so yeah, so so the last one we recorded wrapped up and then released it. And uh, we got hooked up with Mr. Caligari. Well, I mean, actually, we just emailed him. We were just like, hey, dude, like, you want to you want to do some cassettes for this and he was like definitely uh um shouts out i love that guy he's really really dope um we, we anyway, haven't though. we haven't been in touch but is that is that label ran by a guy named mr caligari no no because that I, would be awesome. I, all right all right just stop right there because we're gonna pretend it is that's awesome all right all right well mr caligari i don't know his last name <laughs> and i'm only iffy on his first name so yeah, yeah. Uh, actually you know what i think i don't know if his name is secret or not I don't want to say it, but I definitely do know his name. Actually. It's Caligari, bro. It's All Mr. Right. Caligari. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, shout. There's a big. Um, there was an old, a old horror movie I think called Cabinet of Doctor Caligari. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, I believe that he uses images. Yeah, that's I, I what the label's I, based on. If you look yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, just just for the listeners, man. But I, I, th- I still think it would be awesome if the guy called himself Mr. Caligari, but. That should be one of our um, uh, Italian callers um, uh, from the Bronx. But but anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> go go ahead about Mr. Caligari and your uh, sentient autolysis demo, or is it or EP rather? Well, yeah, yeah. I guess uh, you know. I think that we maybe intended to be a second demo, but it didn't say demo, so everyone thought it was EP, and, and the production's a little better too. So so we just went with it. It's fine. Uh, Jeez. Well, we just were. Well, we were a brand new band, so we weren't really playing any shows. You know, I mean, we didn't really have like the live thing to worry about. It was just the three of us. We didn't have a second guitar. We didn't have bass. So playing live. Well, we did do it a couple times back then. Wasn't necessarily the main prerogative. So we were just like really focused on writing. And uh, I do believe that I had quit Tim Hortons right after Demo 19 came out as well and I don't think I had a job for a couple months so I was just like really focused on doing that. That's how we got that one out so quick. Uh, and we did that one. We recorded it the exact same way. Uh, Ricky Ticky freaking microphones hanging everywhere <laughs> barely working. Um, overdubbed it the same way although for that one I could actually afford to buy myself an overdrive pedal by that point so I, uh, the tone is a little better. <laughs> You talk about not playing live much around the time you record. Uh, you record sentient um, autolysis. Now, as you're progressing forward as a band, before we get into the fact that you're, you're um, your next the next year, 2020, you actually would put out a live album, live from hell and video. Uh, when you're when you're progressing forward, um, putting out those two demos in 2019, uh, writing initially for the band. Obviously, it's a death metal band. It's an underground death metal band. The way you recorded it with the microphones that you just described, you're not concerned with being a clicky, um, state-of-the-art, deathcore, uh, quantized type of band. You're going for a more old-school approach. What's going through your head? What are the influences? I'm obviously a little bit older. I'm trying to. I'm also. I'm trying to rap with the kids here. I'm trying to get inside your head and find out. Uh, for a young man making death metal nowadays, coming of age in, in the scene that you, Undeath is, is associated with, what are the influences and what are the bands that really stand out to you that inspire you? Well, I mean, uh, definitely you, you got the uh, the obvious ones like Morbid Angels, Campbell Corpses, Autopsy, shit like that. I mean, that's pretty much just like the sonic blueprint for what the genre can be going forward. You'd have to think, right? Or something like that. You know, it's like... It's like, okay, well, these bands have 
double kick drum and they have distorted guitar and they have harsh vocals like i'm not gonna change that like that seems to be like the foundational aspect of the type of music so those are obviously influences um and i mean we've definitely gotten better at uh drawing from influences a little bit and um drawing from more different outside influences like i will say uh you know, for a demo 19, I, I was just really inspired by a lot of the new death metal bands. I was like, shit, we're just making a death metal demo. Like, I didn't really, I wasn't trying to do anything crazy or whatever. It was just for fun with my boys. So we were just kind of inspired by like, the new crop of bands and everything. And then on sending out Tulsa's, like, we could play a little faster and a little better and shit. And I remember, I believe the track Grave Osmosis kind of opens with like, uh, Covenant era kind of like uh, double bass backbeat like um so we were just like trying to attempt things like that and also at that time it was like you know we were brand new it was like okay well let's have a part like this and it's like okay we can definitely have a part like that because we've never had a part like that before <laughs> you know you're not like yeah, gonna yeah. redo yourself or something so uh so yeah back then i mean it's just it's that stuff and uh i mean Definitely, I feel like we try to keep, at least back then, we were trying to keep as well, like, uh, an idea of where metal music has been in the last 20 years, you know, since, like, 2000, but uh, definitely try to probably keep it more inspired by, like, the, the earlier stuff, because, I mean, that stuff is real good. Uh, of course, and that's, now, listening, I want I want to build up to um, your full-length album, Lesions of a Different Kind, from 2020, but briefly, I do want to, because we're talking about your writing style, um, and, and you mentioned, uh, you know, right off the bat, you, talk, you, you mentioned Cannibal Corpse in there with the other bands. I listened to Lesions today um, uh, and, and really tried to pay attention to it in a new way and, and hear it in a, in a new light because we were doing the interview, and something that jumped out to me is Cannibal Corpse, Um Especially older, more classic Cannibal Corpse, there's a stiff groove that Cannibal Corpse is kind of known for. Not really so much more like the Long Island hardcore hip-hop associated groove, but very metal stiff, almost like thrash-influenced groove that Cannibal Corpse is known for. So I wanna, I would definitely ask you, being that Cannibal Corpse is, is associated with Buffalo, which isn't regionally too far away from where you guys are, but a, you know, a distinctly different city, obviously, but not too far away, um, would you would you claim them as a big influence, particularly uh, uh, recently and with newer material? Because there's something I hear there. And also, I would just have to add to that, Deranged from Sweden. Are you familiar with them at all? And, and you might know what I mean when I get to that. Uh, yo, I'm sorry. I just lost you on the Deranged from Sweden part. What was that, buddy? I was just asking, well, we can get to I was just asking if you were also familiar with them and you might claim them as an influence because they're another very traditionally cannibal corpse sounding band that has kind of made that into their own thing. Interesting. I got to be honest with you. I've never heard of that band before. Uh, I'm going to check them out though, right after this. I just heard some parallels maybe um, while I was listening to uh, certain on death tracks. That's, that's the only reason I bring it up. And I think it's because both bands take some of that classic cannibal corpse, very stiff, rigid, uh, popping death metal sound, um, maybe to a, to a, a modern, uh, uh, Ed. So, so what about Cannibal Corpse? Am I am I off base there? No, absolutely not. Uh, Cannibal Corpse. When I was like a young kid, uh, ten or eleven, I was playing a lot of World of Warcraft, and uh, some people in my uh -huh. guild got me into Cannibal Corpse. 
Uh, they've always been like one of my favorite bands. Uh, just I mean, dude, they're fucking awesome. And yeah, they're from upstate New York, which you know, there's a couple other like great extreme metal band, like not extreme metal bands, but like heavier band, like Earth Crisis and like that kind of thing from like upstate New York. But it's not too much to claim up here. So having Cannibal Corpse uh, be from so close is extremely dope. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And oh. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yes, Campbell Corp is definitely a huge inspiration on the writing, too, because uh, Alex Webster, dude, what a fantastic uh, death metal songwriter. Just, uh, I think he's pretty inventive. I think that Campbell Corp is a great band. You know, uh, they're not like riff, 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 riff. You know, they have, like, real structure to their songs, but they're also typically not just a really standard, like, pop song structure. They're, like, their own unique kind of... Uh, death metal song structure styling so i think there, there's definitely a lot to be learned from alex webster not only as a musician but as a songwriter too i i would agree man and those old cannibal corpse albums are something that um it's it's almost like there's certain death metal albums especially nowadays where we see the internet and there's memes and everything and i'm not knocking any of that uh, but it's like, you know, you look at like the first few Morbid Angel albums, the older Cannibal Corpse albums, maybe even Death, and sometimes it almost turns into like a, a meme. Like, but you know, it's like, like you forget to actually sit down and listen to those albums and get something that, uh, out of them uh, every once in a while. You know, Bolt Thrower, like it almost becomes. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And then, and let me assure all the listeners, there is a lot to be gleaned from all of those records, too. Yeah, it's it's not just a cool T-shirt or a, a cool image to put on your um your your social media wall or something like that, man. So, uh, but but with, but without, without getting too much on the old man rocking chair, I'll um <laughs> I'll just divert back. No, because there was just something I heard there that rem- reminded me a little bit about the, that classic Cannibal Corpse pop that they have, and um uh, just just not to not to be too much of a weirdo on a, on a limb here with the Deranged from Sweden thing, but I've always loved Deranged, one of my favorite bands. They've put out a multitude of albums and have never really swayed very far from this kind of singular, very American style, even though they're a Swedish band of death metal, um, that, that also, I think, uh, inherits a lot of that, that Cannibal Corpse writing style that you were just uh, talking about. So without spending too much time on that, though, uh, I do want to get further into Lesions, but let's talk about um, 2020. You put out Live From Hell, uh, the album and the video. Yep, so uh, that came about uh, because we were supposed to go play a film festival on a haunted barge, uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee Film Festival. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I was so excited for that. It was going to be so fun. It was like this little one-off thing, no stress. Like they are going to pay for our shit to get down there and whatever, so it was going to be dope. (laughs) And then, yeah, like obviously uh, COVID happened and um, it got closed down. No problems, but, you know, yeah, everyone's got the same story, but... uh, but lo and behold, they had the fest uh, digitally online, and uh, we just uh, did that little video for it, the Live From Hell thing, and we said, you know, frigate, like, we may as well uh, release it, right? I mean, we recorded and shit, so we put it on VHS. We shot it on VHS, I will say that. Huh. Uh, that was that was a pain to edit it together. <laughs> um, shot it on VHS, released it on a little limited VHS run. Uh, and then I believe there there could even still be some tapes. So there are tapes too, yeah. Okay, and um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people got their plans knocked out um, last year with COVID. We will get to what you guys have done getting back to the live circuit. But 
You guys were able to record and release uh, Lesions of a Different Kind, your full-length album in 2020 at least. Um, could you tell us just a little bit about that? I mean, we, I, we already talked a little bit about the writing and I guess my take on it, like like what I got out of it, but um, maybe just how playing live, uh, at least for a little bit before COVID hit, might have influenced the writing style or what you wanted going into it. And I also see that you um, you recorded it in Philadelphia, didn't you? Yep, yep, uh, yep. We have recorded uh, now twice at uh, the Headroom, the Headroom in uh, Philadelphia. Great, great place. Great, fantastic sounding room for drums, uh, and very, very affordable. They have great gear, so plug for them. Um, and we actually we recorded Lesions uh, prior to Live from Hell. Actually, now I think about, it, I think we recorded in October. I want to say of 2019, we recorded Lesions. And uh, yeah, wow! So you recorded the the two demos and the album in one in one year. Believe so, yeah. I, I love it, man. It, it feels like Undeath's been around for a little bit longer than um, it actually has for me personally, as a, as a, <laughs> as, as a listener. Because there, well, there's a, it's a lot of stuff there. So, yeah, yeah. all right. So, in writing the album, I mean, there's not a big stretch of time there. What do you attribute? And also, well, let's get into this a little bit because you you stretch it out over the year, um, spring, summer. Uh, you say October was around the time you you recorded the album. But what I want to get into is Rochester, New York. You guys are up there, very close to Canada. You experience harsher and longer winters uh, than we do down here on Long Island. I think that's pretty safe to say. Does that factor into? Uh, maybe not playing live as frequently, maybe shows not happening as frequently, bands writing and staying in to write and rehearse more often like we hear about in, the, in some of the Scandinavian countries. Would you say maybe that's that's a factor? Oh, yeah, it's definitely a factor for why we don't really play out that much in the winter and shit. I mean, driving in the snow sucks, driving a van with a trailer in the snow is twice as bad. So, uh yeah. Yeah, um, and definitely, I mean, I'm an indoor guy, <laughs> yeah, but uh, during the winter, I'm super indoor guy, so yeah, I do a lot of writing in the winter for sure. Okay, and and Lesions of a Different Kind, the album itself, let's talk about that. What's going into that album? You've cut the two demos. Um, you you know, what, what are you trying to, I know you said you're just trying to write a death metal album. You have a very humble approach. You're not trying to um, reinvent the wheel, so to speak. Uh, but it's did you did you did you record it prior to signing with Prosthetic Records for it, or did Prosthetic work with you after it had been um, recorded? Uh, well, we uh, believe I had like a majority of the material written uh, by the time they reached out, but uh, we did record it under them. Because um, I actually think the the move, I think we were gonna do another EP or something. I, I don't think we wanted to do a record until we could get some support for it because I didn't want to record a whole fucking record in our practice space <laughs> and blah, 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 shit like that. Um, and uh, talking about the record, I mean, going into it, we just kind of wanted to go. I mean, we were getting there on the Sentient tape, but trying to get a little bit more like songy songs kind of going like uh, choruses where the title of the song is in them and shit like that. Just because while I was thinking about it, I'm like, what are my favorite records like? I'm like, oh, well, they have fucking banging songs with, like, great hooks. 
And uh, also what makes a great record great to me is that like not all the songs are the same. You know, like fucking metallic records have ballads and shit on them. I mean, I, I would love to try to compose a death metal ballad. Uh, <laughs> I don't really know what it would be like. It'd probably be, it'd have to be about like loving death. But also, so uh, that was just kind of, those are the things that we wanted to kind of kind of focus on. And uh, now that it's been out a while, I think that we hit the mark on some of the things. Like I think that, you know, like on the track Legions and shit like that, we really, we really hit the song songy song kind of mark but uh other tracks they probably could have used a little bit more work follow the shit like that but okay well you know everybody goes back and and uh, look you know looks critically at themselves but um you know you mentioned that you know what happened with covid that that exp- unfortunately that that sounded uh, a haunted barge that's crazy but um uh you did come back and you guys did okay you you played a net you were support on a national tour with rivers of nile carnifex after the burial and black dahlia murder this past fall yes that is true yeah let's talk about it man i mean that that must have been a a pretty crazy moment just when yet whenever you got the email or the text or whatever and and you realized that that was coming to fruition dude hell yeah well i mean it was really weird because you know it's like they you know, they reach out like months in advance for that kind of thing. And, uh, I mean, it was, I want to say maybe like June, even they reached out like months prior. And, uh, I just didn't know if it was going to happen, you know, for a long yeah, time. It's like, yeah. I mean, how, how crazy can it be if you don't know if it's going to happen or not? But yeah, once it got to like the month before and it was, it was all on and confirmed and shit, it, it was, uh, I was very nervous. Never been away from my own bed that long before. Huh. Uh, I'm sure most people haven't. Uh, six weeks. Um, six weeks. And it was my first tour of that magnitude. You know, I've, I've been out on like weekenders and maybe even like four or five days before, but uh, nothing quite like that one. It was a privilege to be on the tour for sure. Not even just doing media speak. I mean, everyone was like extremely dope. All the people on the tour were were really, really grateful to be back. You know, doing what they do, and because uh, I mean, everyone on that tour. Those guys have been on the road. Even even Rivers of Nile, who is the newest band on that tour, like they've been touring since 2011 or 12. You know what I mean? So, so everyone was just really excited to be back doing what they got to do. And uh, the vibes were really good. Uh, that had to have been one of the first metal tours back after COVID too. So I was like, all I'd hear is from fans like, you know, this is my first like outing even or like show, blah blah blah. You know, uh, in like fucking two years, it's like so dope, blah blah blah. So. No, it was just a really, 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 really good time. Awesome, man. And yeah, you mentioned, um, you know, being on on a tour like that. Now, those guys, you're right. It's it's four bands who really don't play around with the touring. Those guys um, prior to COVID were out constantly, and now they're getting right back into it. Very professional style bands. Um, what tell it? Just take us. I've asked other other younger artists this after a big tour. What did you learn from it? What were you surprised by? Maybe. Just in terms of the um, the showing up early, the loading in, the more professional aspects of it, of the merch and things like that, um, cutting merch uh, uh, money with with the club, and just there's a lot to it that you don't necessarily get exposed to playing underground shows. I was playing underground shows for a good 15 years or so before I ever played shows where I, where I realized that those that level of professional responsibility. Oh yeah, dude. Uh, me too. I played a lot of shows, and none, none of them have been like, like that. Um, 
Shit I learned? Well, I'm gonna say the very first thing that comes to my mind is when you go on tour, bring a suitcase that is not malleable. If your suitcase is a big bag, everyone's gonna fucking hate you like they hated me. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing is like, uh, yeah, dude, the load-ins on that tour were really early. They were at noon every day, so uh, that was definitely a shocker. Like, we, it, early. most days we did not show up at noon, obviously. That's, that would be brutal, but... uh. You know, so uh, definitely you get used to the, the ram and the roads. You're definitely there. You play, you hang out, pack up, and leave, go to the next one. Shit. Um, I will say that I learned that you can downshift vehicles. I, uh, I was banned from driving really on tour. I, um, if anyone knows, they've been this way. There's a very big mountain uh, in between uh, Denver, going from Denver into Salt Lake City. And I just kind of took the mountain way too fast. And huh. uh, <laughs> you're supposed to, like, pulse your brakes. And I'm doing that. But then the van started shaking. You had to pull over. It was pretty scary. So so uh, that's what I learned. Wow. Yeah, we. <laughs> I've had some pretty bad uh, The scariest, like, van with a trailer on a hill experience was actually in Pittsburgh for me. Um, oh yeah, I believe it. I the believe hill, that. the hills of Pittsburgh. Yeah, but I believe you too about um uh, the Colorado thing. Um, yeah, man, a, a lot there. So, and 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 just for the so so you're expected to load and you're expected to be there at noon. And just for the listeners who might not realize, this is a harsh reality that some artists learn the first time they go out on a tour like this, is that you'll perform. Um, and you might be, ex- and, and also when you perform on a big package tour like that, sometimes it is frowned upon or bad, um, bad manners in a way to leave immediately after your set. If you're one of the oh, younger yeah, yeah, opening yeah. artists, Definitely. because you're going to be expected to hang around till the end of the night and b- make yourselves available to help out. Cause even though it's a big professional tour, there's not necessarily tons of roadies. And things like that, you know, you want to make your, you want to ingratiate yourself to these bigger bands who are giving you an opportunity and their management and all that. So a lot of times at the end of the night, and also there'll be sharing of equipment, sharing of drums and, and amplifiers that goes on. So you want to make yourselves available to help with all these huge boxes of merchandise and breaking down. So really, you're performing, hanging around um, till the very end of the show, till all everyone's left, and and you and all the bands are, are there with the lights on at this club at one or two, three in the morning, whatever it has to be, loading up their big trailer and making sure all your stuff is done, and then you have it on you to uh, now at like three in the morning or whatever, be in the next city of the tour at twelve noon the next day. So if you can find a few hours to sleep, if you have to stop somewhere, it's you know it's on you, but. You, you now have less than 12 hours to make it to the next city, which could be, what, six, seven, eight hours away sometimes. Easily, easily. And those are some of the lighter drives, I'd say. So, yeah, yeah and that's that's all totally true. And another reason to stick around until the end, too, is that a lot of people buy merch right at the end. I mean, people will buy records and bullshit, you know, like right at the end. Yeah. They don't want to crush them in the pit or whatever. So, But, uh, yeah, dude, I mean, no, we, we never dipped out early. Yeah, and you know what? Another crazy thing, too, on, on those town tours is the merch cutting thing. I mean, it's complete uh, asinine horseshit, but, like, it's something I guess you deal with. Total grift. Yeah. I've, I've experienced it. I didn't. I haven't experienced it that frequently, and I haven't been back out touring much since things have opened up. 
uh, from COVID. But prior to COVID, when I would go on some some of the bigger tours I, I was lucky enough to go on, we didn't experience that merch cut so much. I'm wondering now if with clubs opening up after uh, the pandemic, they're, ta- they're 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 taking a bigger merch cut from bands to try to re- compensate for the for the you know the loss of the pandemic and closing down. Oh yeah, I definitely considered that. I think that could easily be. Uh, part of it, definitely. And also, a lot of the venues we played at were uh, Live Nation venues. And uh, I know that they always fucking take, I don't even know what the hell it was, 20, 25, 30% or something. Jesus. I mean, 30, 30% of a t-shirt sale, I mean, that's like it's like over half your profit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I'm i not going to say who, but uh, very helpful tip. You know how they count your shirts on the way in? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our merch guy was uh, allegedly very good at uh, um, pretending that we didn't sell much. Alleg- allegedly, he was allegedly, allegedly bad at math. Well, yeah, yeah. They'd be like, hey, Grotto, how much did you sell? He's like, I'm supposed to keep track of that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good one. Yeah, you could do that. But you can always uh, allegedly bring some in with a drum bag or two. Oh, dude, that's such a good idea. I didn't even consider that. Yeah, do the count, and then let, let them do their stupid bureaucratic thing, and then on the way out, you're good. Yeah, that's way more legit, too. That doesn't, It's not so scary. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm not, I won't say what professional touring musician told me that one, huh, but huh. Uh, allegedly. It, it helps. This is old banter, allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's weird, because I can understand the clubs are stretched right now since everything, but... Yeah, man, like underground death metal bands selling T-shirts for, you know, $10, $15 or whatever. It's just it's yeah, crazy. Yeah. And that's another thing is when you go out sometimes as a supporting act, you set up your T-shirts in these big clubs. That's why bands like the Black Dahlia Murder, After the Bury, all these bands that, that you were on tour with and bands of that caliber have to charge so much for their merchandise sometimes. You think, wow, these guys are really cashing out. But just more people are taking a cut when you get to that level, unfortunately. Hell yeah, dude. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you'd think with like a sold out show and uh, $14 beers that you make enough money. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, the $14 yeah. beers. Jeez. Yeah, you always want to ask for a cut of the bar. You know, it's like, yeah, fuck, yeah, man. yeah, yeah. It's basically oh, well, free money. Up. Like, we all know hey. how, how much, uh, you know, they're getting beer for. It's almost nothing. Why don't you go get me a W9 for this sale? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's very Maybe. frustrating, man. Um, Makes you want to just play those DIY venues a lot. But, but yeah, big ups to Black Dahlia Murder and all those guys getting back out there, man, playing the game. It's not easy for anybody now. Oh, um, hell yeah, and absolutely no shade either. We had a great fucking time. It was it was truly a truly dope, dope, dope experience. Yeah, we're talking more about just the, um, uh, the, 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 the inherent vices of the game with, with, the, with the clubs coming back from COVID right now, man. And those... You know, and also just trying to explain in a way, I mean, really, with Black Dahlia Murder, and I'm just singling them out because that's the tour you're on, but Cattle Decapitation, Obituary, all these bands that are on a very big level, um, really just explaining why you might have to pay more when you see those bands. It's really not the band members being uh, Scrooge McDuck and being greedy. It's bec- it's like I said, be- there's just a lot more people getting a cut. It's more expensive uh, just to operate the type of venues those bands perform at, professional sound engineers, professional security, and so on and so forth, you know? So it's really also just, just trying to um, explain that those bands aren't necessarily cashing out as big as everyone might be accusing them. A lot of overhead. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah, there's a lot of overhead. 
Yeah, man. Those guys work hard, um, and that's all I'm saying. So, and now moving ahead, you also, um, I, I don't know, you did a small regional tour, I guess, coming off of that Black Dahlia murder thing. That's where we saw you guys in Rochester. I had the, a fortunate experience. Um, Stabbed was playing in Rochester, and we jumped on with Exsanguinated, uh, my new project, and we got to perform with you guys in Rochester. That was a small regional tour, I guess, coming home from Black Dahlia murder, or was or was that separate? Yep, uh, it was it was separated by uh, a little under a month, just like a couple of weeks, and uh, I think we just wanted to fit in one more last thing at the end of the year before we uh, close up shop for the winter. So, so and uh, and yo, that show was awesome. That show was extremely dope. Uh, you guys were very very sick, and uh, also I couldn't believe how well attended that was for Bug Jar shows. It was awesome. A lot of fun. I was just happy to be there and to be part of it, man. And um, yeah, the Bug Jar, great venue. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be there when Artificial Brain opened for Cognitive many years ago. Um, shout out to Oz, the guy who books uh, metal shows there very frequently there, and Bobby who works there, man. Um, really enjoyed that venue. I'm glad that they're back open after all the bullshit last year that we were just talking about, man. That's a really cool venue up there in um, Rochester. And one more, you know, I, I had brought up the Genesee Brewery. Um, and I had brought up uh, the bug jar just now. I wanted to talk about, while, while we're on the Rochester talk right now and, and the Rochester venue talk, uh, let's talk about, um, was it Mar- is it Mark's Texas to- uh, Hots? Oh, yeah, Mark's Texas Hots. One of the very, very few late-night places in Rochester. Yeah, Mark's Texas Hots. Um, wow. The, me and the guys from Stabbed and Bowel Erosion, big shout uh, we were all up there, Long Island guys, away from home, uh, you know, looking for a place to eat late at night. Um, and uh, the diner was closed that somebody Googled, and then we that we found Mark's Texas Hots. Are you familiar with that place? Have you been there? Oh, I'm very, very familiar with Mark's. Uh, honestly, I have I have never had a garbage plate from there. I'm a Rochester person, so I've had a lot of fucking garbage plates, let me tell huh. you. But I have huh. unfortunately never had had one from Mark's. Whenever I want to go in, dude, it's it's like Saturday night at three in the morning. I'm hammered. And it's like packed out the freaking place to the sidewalk. <laughs> oh, it was live. It was crazy, man. Um, they yeah, were, it the, always is. The the guys at the front door were holding it down. It seemed like they there were like these two old guys that garnered a lot of respect uh, amongst the local crowd. People people weren't really starting too much trouble with them, but it just it felt very live wire, man. Shout out to that place. Yeah, uh, I did get a garbage plate. Oh, yeah, you get well all right. You get Mac salad? Uh yes, I got it. Well, I got it. Yeah, there was I got it with like the works with whatever the the nice uh older lady who took my order said. I I said when in Rome to her. You know, she said, "Do you want this? Do you want that?" I said, "Sure, when in Rome." Right? I did not eat the whole thing. It was disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it's an absurd amount of food. It's so awesome. And it's the, and it's also like not it's an absurd amount of food, but you can't save it. You can't you can't eat that the next day in no, the microwave. No, no, no. You don't you don't that's, want to. No, no. It's yeah, it's that's a dark path to go down. The only the only way that you can have a leftover garbage plate is if you leave it out overnight and just eat it. Oh god. Yeah, <laughs> in a parking lot when you wake up in on the concrete. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. Shout out to yeah. Mark Mark Valentino. Uh, of stabbed and exsanguinated, he he's a, a vegetarian gentleman. He walked in there, and he got himself like some fried mushrooms and some I, I don't know zucchini or something. And he like I looked at, I was like, this guy did me made he made the right decision. He was that's set. crazy. I would not mark that place up to have vegan options. They the the lady literally said, "quote," and you can quote me. I'm sorry, we ran out of the fried cauliflower, so they got oh. they got you open. 
my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah, so yeah, Mark's Texas Hots, man. Don't judge a book by its cover. Um, also, you might want to go there earlier in the day, maybe not at 2 a.m. on a weekend. I don't know. Which I got to recommend everyone take take a trip two blocks down the road, go to Dogtown during the day. They got a better place. Okay, man. All right. Uh, quick question. Uh, you're implying that you should drink earlier in the day, right? Perhaps start <laughs> yeah, drinking yeah. at yeah. You want to be drunk when you go there regardless. Right, right. But the late night, the late night crowd... Uh, the late night crowd's a little wild. Gets right. a little, gets a little, you don't want to take grandma there late. Start drinking at 9.30 in the morning and find yourself there before 7. Yeah, I feel that's probably that's probably a crowd there, too. <laughs> that's, that's, that's probably, uh, yeah. That's, <laughs> all right. Enough there definitely about, is, bro. Enough about Marks, though. Uh, one more Rochester play. While we're, like, enough about, enough about um, uh, uh, low, low-key shading garbage plates, which I do not want to do. I'm a big fan of uh, upstate's. <laughs> Uh, um, uh, uh, culinary uh, uh, regional hits, but one more place. Well, are you familiar? Have you had a chance to familiarize yourself with House of Guitars? Oh hell yeah, buddy! Old the old hog. Love that place, man. I really do. Every time I go to Rochester, I didn't get to check it out because we were only there quickly this uh, the, the the past uh, weekend for that show. But I love to to I could get lost in that place, man. Oh yeah, dude. The record store. Store part. You yeah, that? yeah, yeah. The huge—it's like a huge open warehouse, and it looks like there's probably stuff yeah, that's yeah, been sitting yeah. there since the '80s and '90s and stuff. It's great. It makes you feel like you're almost in a time machine with record stores. Dude, it's crazy. There's a bunch of uh, there's a bunch of signatures down there from people like famous people who come and play Rochester. I think yeah. Trey's signature is down there. There's a signed and framed picture uh, with one of the owners and King Diamond. Awesome. Uh, there's a bunch. There's a bunch of crazy. A bunch of Campbell Corp's fucking signatures on the wall. Of course, of course. Yeah, I know that's a very historic place. I just want to touch on that. Uh, I know, is it true Cody of Sanguasugabog played bass for you on that tour? He played bass uh, on a tour right before COVID. Uh, oh, okay. Actually, okay. he did uh, two shows with us, and then my van broke down. Then Matthew and I were stranded in Akron, Ohio for about three days. And then uh, COVID hit. So, <laughs> Gee, well, wait, wait, wait. T- tell us a little bit about that. That sounds a little. That, that doesn't sound fun, but it sounds like a good story. Well, shit, dude. Uh, I think what happened was one of my emergency brake pads kind of came down. So Matt and I were cruising down the highway, fucking eighty-five, and all of a sudden it's like underneath the van is like <laughs> we're like holy fuck, we're dead. And uh, we had no idea what the problem was. Uh, I had to get AAA to tow it up the background because we're in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I'm sure, Matt, this is the good story. You know what? Fuck the other, the rest of the three days. Huh. That just sucked. This is a good story. We break down, and Matt just instantly goes, I got a shit, dude. Oh, no. And I was like, bro, there's nothing here. It's just cornfields. It's like the middle of the day, like run a highway. He's like, dude, I can't I can't hold it. And he's just like laying there in my passage, seat, gripping his stomach. It's like, oh, <laughs> oh. And then eventually he just, uh, he made me get out of the driver's seat. He pulled the van at an angle, uh, opened one of the doors to block the front, and then he shit on the side of the road like a little animal. Wow. <laughs> and wow. buried it. <laughs> at least he buried it. Yeah, yeah. At least he buried it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I think it was wise to not go into the cornfields and shit because. I think so. I think you're right. You do not want to mess with a farmer. They, no, they they got no. a tool for every occasion, man, including a twelve. Yeah, like pitch. a gun. Yeah, yeah, dude. Um, wow. Okay, so 
<laughs> well, I'm glad you guys made it back. That's crazy. And, you know, we've we've had you on for a little while now. Um, uh, we talked about your album, your most recent tour. I do want to plug just for the listeners who might be in the uh, Detroit um, area. If I got this right, correct me if I'm wrong, Saturday, January 1st, first day of the year, New Year's Day of 2020. Oh, wait, was that last year, the, the, the Detroit show? Nope, nope. Uh, it is this year with Never Ending Game. With Never Ending uh, game and um, uh, three knee deep, right? Yep. Okay, I'm sorry. I was looking at the flyer. Yeah, New Year's Day coming up, not past. No time machine not needed. Uh, coming up 2022 at the Sanctuary in Detroit. Um, cool little venue. I remember that place. Uh, how, how do you guys end up playing Detroit on New Year's Day? Is that part of a little tour, or is that actually just fairly close for Rochester? No, neither, really. Uh, <laughs> I think we just got asked, and... Uh... I think that we will be uh, unable to play uh, during the spring, so uh, I think that we just wanted to just wanted to hit one first. You know, should be feel like a fun show. It'll be, I think it'll definitely be pretty good. Be pretty good one. People be mushing and jumping off the stage, and bullshit. So, from what I see on social media, it seems like there's New Year's Day shows, probably because it's a Saturday this year, going on everywhere. Everyone's just hyped to have a show come out and. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff going on, so that's great, man. And yeah. I, I also just want to quickly shout out, we, we, we mentioned Cody of Sanguasugabog jumping on bass, and we did have an interview with Cody where he talked about that um, a while back. But um, uh, you've since found uh, a bass player in Tommy Wall, uh, also of Hallucination Realized, Tomb Warden, and other projects, right? Yes, sir. Now he's I, I, I spoke to him briefly uh, at the show. He's actually from like the D.C. area, right? Yes. Um, so we met him uh, back when we were three-piece still. Uh, Tomb Warden played a show with us up here at a venue called the Rosen Crown. And um, we met him there. And uh, I also believe we played a show with them in D.C. at uh, Atlas Brewers that Mr. Hassan booked. Um, Hassan, shout out to Hassan and Atlas, man. Well, all, all these great yeah. places coming up. Shouts out. Um yeah, and uh, I I almost want to say Alex might have been the the one who uh, really did the the dirty and got him in, <laughs> got him in and everything, but um, but uh, yeah, dude. I mean, that dude is an insane bass player. Back when I was a kid and I was just starting to play bass guitar, I think that he'd like if I saw some of his playthrough videos, I'd be like, damn, this dude's my favorite bass player. <laughs> awesome, man. And you also <clears throat> relatively recently incorporated Jared Welch on guitar. That is also true, and uh, I've actually known Jared for probably four years now, maybe even longer, but uh, yeah, he went to college in Rochester, and uh, I actually knew him before that because I went to college with one of his um, high school friends, uh, and we played music together, and uh, so I was introduced to him that way. And actually, almost, I want to say even before Alex was added, Matt and I did jam with Jared on some of the Demo 19 stuff, but uh, he was too busy with school, so um, couldn't make it work then. But yeah, so uh, we, we did add him last summer, and uh, that dude's also just a, he's a great guitar player. He's, he's been a guitar player since he was a young kid, and um, played a lot of different kinds of guitar. Okay, and, and well, that would, now, you know, now getting into having acknowledged them and, and your most recent album... 
Uh, you guys, historically, we know from 2019 and 2020, you work quick. Uh, and winter is approaching here very fast, as we said in the beginning of the interview. Um, are you guys writing for a new album? Uh, and I would just ask, are Tommy and Jared uh, contributing to the writing? Um, and, and, and just before I skip over the question, Sean Newhart, uh, Undeath listener um, and podcast listener, asked, when's the new album dropping? So just are you writing it? Are those guys contributing? And when should we expect it, if uh, you can say anything to that? Well... As it would have, uh, I don't actually know if that's a saying people say, but... Uh, <laughs> you said it. Yeah, I said it. Um, it's done. It's all done. It's uh, It's been done for... And that's, uh, I mean, it's master, mixed mastered, artwork, layouts, everything's done. What? Uh, what? You guys work too quick. What the fuck, man? That's, that's yeah. crazy. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I'm... Uh, yeah, we recorded it uh, in March of 2021. Because uh, actually, we were going to record a little earlier, but uh, due to some some COVID stuff, we couldn't and uh, had to get in there a month later. But uh, so, and yeah, uh, both of those dudes contributed to uh, some of the writing on the record. Um, uh, and um, when we, can we expect it? Soon. Real soon. Huh. Can you talk yeah, label? maybe I'm not sure. I'm not sure when this episode will uh, come out, but like, mm, mm, depending on when it does, it may either already be out or very soon. Wow, wow! All right, well, we're probably gonna get this one out this week. So, um, all right, well then, in that case, it's gonna stay. Soon. <laughs> that that would, that would be crazy if you dropped it like tomorrow. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right, man. Well. I was going to ask if you could tell us anything about this album, but I'm going to defer to listener Adam Moore, who asks, over the last few years, a surge of excellent new death metal bands have formed, including Undeath, obviously, and made significant progress in a short amount of time. As death metal continues to gain in popularity, do you worry that the current volume of relatively new bands and material is making it more difficult for a band like Undeath to stand out? If so, how do you plan on combating this? Um, yeah, I mean, I, that's something you guys talk about on the show often really is like how, uh, how saturated the market is with metal music. I mean, uh, and, that, and that's not even just at like bands releasing their very first demo on Bandcamp today. Like we're talking even like big label rosters, I think are, are like, uh, you know, there's, there's a shitload of bands. Um, but most things i don't know i don't know uh well first of all i'll say and i'll be the first person to say uh we're very lucky so uh shouts out to everyone who's ever listened to our band thank you um also like you know what i think that the things that stand out the most always have great art i think that having just like great uh art like visual art for your record is really 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 important um i mean it's something that you know if you're putting a lot of time into your music, you probably want it to, to like look good and shit like that. And um, but I don't, I don't see it really as a negative either. Like that, there's so much music and so much like death metal. I mean, people could be making like fucking dog shit, like midwestern emo or something. So, um, <laughs> so it's cool. I mean, whatever, chug a chug, boys. Let's go drink some beers. Yeah. You know, you just you get to a point where uh, you can't let it bother you, and you just gotta take metal for what it does for you personally. And um, 
you know, don't worry about the the the, the sea of ba- of music out there. And also, we're you're not just competing with all the modern bands and all the big labels. You're competing with the past because the reissue game is crazy right now. They're not only reissuing classic albums, but they're digging up demos and albums by bands that were very obscure um, and, and getting a new light. I mean, it's it's like everyone's competing with the past, too, in a way. Dude, that's true. Also, like, uh, you know, speaking of, like, competing with the past and, like, uh, metal music and, and stuff like that, uh, it's really fucking crazy to me how relatively short of a time metal music has been around. <clears throat> in comparison to like, which I mean, it uh, it makes sense, you know, the technology's gotten better and faster, and as technology increases, I guess like the speed at which we transmit ideas and shit increases too. But like, I mean, uh, I don't know. In comparison to like uh, like classical music, it's just like it's crazy how how uh, how much metal music there is, how much there is, and um. How it's really, I mean, how long has Death Metal been around? 30 years, like 33, 4 years? I mean, come on, that's not very long, really. Yeah, I always think in terms of uh, hip-hop, punk rock, and metal overall, but obviously I think of Death Metal, uh, kind of coming coming up, bubbling up from the 70s, and um, how crazy they've kind of all taken over the world in their own forms, in their own ways, and influenced culture very heavily. Um, it's, a, it's a really interesting time to live in as someone who takes in music and art and, and you know, definitely, wants to be creative. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, talking about the new, that's really interesting about the new album, man. You kind of like, I, I thought you were joking at first, man, but that's, that's really good, man. That's cool. You guys do work fast. And uh, interestingly enough, you said you recorded it in March, which would be coming out of the winter. Um, like yep. we talked about before upstate there. So I just want to encourage everybody, if we have a harsh winter this winter, man, keep it locked indoors with your guitars or your lyric books or whatever you do. Um, and finally, before we wind it down, uh, Kyle, one last listener question. Um, big shout to Tom Anderer, uh, one of my best friends since um, eighth grade, pretty much, and a um, uh, member of Reeking Aura, Buckshot Face of Gray Skies Fallen. He asks, do you love wrestling? If so, what era promotion, uh, what era slash promotion, and then he has another question we'll get into after you answer that one. Ah, uh, dude, Tom, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm real sorry to disappoint you. I really don't know shit about wrestling. <laughs> I know, like, <laughs> you know, uh, when I was a kid, my dad was kind of into, <clears throat> I think it was WWE back then with, like, Stone Cold and uh, Gravedigger. No, Gravedigger's a monster truck guy. The oh, Undertaker. Ooh, we might uh, have to edit that one out. Ooh. No, we're leaving it in because he's speaking my language. It's a good thing Just, Justin would not. Justin, I'm sorry, guys. Justin I know, I it. know. He'd fucking roast me. I'm glad he's not here. Justin might have just, like, <laughs> taken the headphones off and stomped out or something. But, all right, okay, yeah. well, fair enough, though. Uh, now, Tom Anderer's second question. Do you believe in ghosts? <laughs> oh, dude, that's so crazy. Uh... When's the last time you guys talked about ghosts? Was it the Crypticus interview? It might have been. Might have been. Might have been. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, me, personally, no. Maybe if I'm, like, in the dark, allegedly, a little too big, I'm a little scared, <laughs> maybe then. But, uh, no, I don't, well, I don't know. I mean, we could get real crazy. We could be, like, obviously, your energy has to dissipate somewhere when you die, but I, I, I don't know. No, I'm going to I'm gonna say no. I'm going to say no. Perhaps you'd have a different answer if you got to play that barge. You might be right. You might be right. And uh, we'll never know. 
Jeez, there's a venue too that we played at that had a haunted swimming pool. I did not get to see it though, unfortunately. A haunted swimming pool. That mm. can't be good. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, I don't want to think about that. That's interesting. Wow. I um Oh boy. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, I got a couple of stories, but none of them go anywhere anywhere fun to to cap off this interview about ghosts. But so anyway, we'll move on. Shout out to Tom Ander. Thanks for the questions. And thank thank you to you Kyle for your time which you've been very generous with and we are going to respect right now. Um, by well, we'll we'll give you the opportunity to give shout outs and uh, promote anything we fail to. But we're going to ask you right now the traditional question: uh, Could you recommend anything? Uh, could you recommend a new album and an old album? It could be anything you want, any genre, uh, just something old and something new for the listeners and for us. Yes, I definitely can. You know what? I even made a little notepad uh, document here before. Uh for the interview just so I could do this quick. All right. Um, awesome. All right. Old one first. I'm going to go with. Uh, throwing it back here 62 years. I huh. think that maybe there will be some listeners that know this one. Uh, I'm going to go with. I recommend it. Uh, Shostakovich's. Dmitry Shostakovich, string quartet number eight, C minor. I think that it's. Uh. Dude, it's a fucking metal-ass piece. I gotta be honest with you. I mean, it's like, uh, it's definitely one where you go on YouTube and, like, the comments are like, this sounds like technical death metal. This sounds like Squad Possession. So, <laughs> it's dope. That's a dope piece. Uh, it's great. And specifically, if, if anyone is looking for the really intense uh, movement on that one, it's the... The, uh... Whatever the fast one is. I can't remember. <laughs> I think it's the third, maybe. It's... It's an Allegro. Anyway, though. Can you text me that one in the chat when you get a chance? Yeah, yeah, no problem. I got you. Awesome. Uh, and then for my new release, uh, came out very recently uh, this year. Um, it is Midnight Betrothed. Uh, gosh, if you are into Dungeon Synth at all, or if you're into raw-ass black metal, then I think that you'd get a good enjoy out of that one, a good listen. Um, I mean, there's tracks on it that literally sort of sound like there's, like, uh, Vanessa Carlton keyboard lines with, like, <laughs> kind of vocals. It's it's fucking dope, dude. It's great. Cannot speak... I don't know anything about the guy. Where's Corpse Faint, and he's generally weird, so maybe he's weird. I don't know. I don't speak to his beliefs or anything, but uh, his that, that record is dope, though. Huh. All right. Well, yeah, you got to give that little disclaimer nowadays. With the, I know. With the if, face, if you wear corpse paint, you got to give the disclaimer. The face paint guys, you never know where they're coming from. It's <laughs> weird. Know. And sometimes you got to have a decoder or something to know. It's, I, I don't know what that means. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair, Vanessa Carlton, though. That's interesting. Um, all right. So, Kyle, uh, we thank you very much for your time. Um, th- is there anything that we failed to promote or speak about that you wanted to bring up? Nah, dude, not at all, really. Actually, uh, I will say this is the first interview I've ever done, I think, where World of Warcraft didn't uh, come up. And uh, I also wanted to say thank you guys for your time. And uh, sorry for talking your ears off for so long. I'm sorry for blowing up your spot, but you did mention World of Warcraft when we talked about Cannibal Corpse. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. You're right. That's how it always comes up. I'm dude. sorry. Sorry, you're right. No, no, Gotta no, keep it real. Right. But there's nothing wrong with that. I don't want you to break your streak on the heavy hole. That's, you know. Oh, I'm freaking out now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Kyle Beam. Uh, final parting words for fans of Undeath from Rochester and listeners of our Heavy Hole podcast. 
Oh, well, first of all, to fans of Undeath, I want to just say thank you all very, very much. Um, always reach out to us on social media, blah, blah, blah. We always respond. Uh, I'm always super happy to hear from people. Uh, yeah, you guys rock. Thank you. And to the listeners of Heavy Hole, you guys are also dope and awesome and rock because I uh, keep the keep these guys want to do the show and I love listening to the show. So thank you very much. Okay, well, I love the listeners, but I keep wanting to do the show just to hear the sound of my own megalomaniacal voice. But thank you, Kyle, <laughs> for your time, brother. We appreciate you, and we're going to be on the lookout for that new album. It might be out in a couple of minutes from now. Who knows, man? Came out 30 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> Have a good one, man. Hey, you guys take it easy. Right, we're back at it again. Heavyhole podcast. Mm. Yeah, it's us at the end of the show. <laughs> all right, all right. Whoa, shut it, shut it down. Jeez, man. Just because I had a couple Good. of beers with Kyle from Undeath doesn't mean you guys get to act crazy too. Doesn't Good. mean I didn't have a couple of beers. I do the partying. Oh. You do the you, you do the serious stuff. I do the, I do the and eh, you do the on. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Never partying again. Woo! All right. Not so big shout to Kyle and all the guys from Undeath. All right. En- enough nonsense. Here. We like Undeath. Yeah, and we encourage yeah. you to Secrets check out, out all the music yeah. that we checked. That we should have had Undeath on the show like three years ago. Yeah, we talked about their demo like on one of the first episodes. Now we made it. Now, now we're here. In the words of Nori, you can stop asking. Now we're here. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's good to be live. Yeah, coming to you live. It's good to be free. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah, Justin, I'm glad you were free tonight. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. hey. All right. Look, no. something that's not free. Um, go on. My years of expertise in underground death metal history. No, I just um, I I allegedly smoke weed and go on metallum, but just like you, the listener, uh, a band that I want to recommend. We're bringing back a little recommendo here and there. I want to talk about Estonian death metal history for a minute, gentlemen. Can we break it down? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to, as you guys know, I'm trying to bring back the recommendations a little bit. We're going to put an album up every once in a while. And something I wanted to talk about, this is something I've been really getting into lately. Um, And I got a shout out. If you're interested, like I said, in the history of um, Estonian extreme metal, I got this off of Reddit. If you go to r slash metal uh n.alter.of.plagues was the redditor uh that i have to credit with their series their extensive and thorough series on baltic extreme metal history Hmm. it's it's a thorough breakdown and it got me really interested in old school estonian death metal which as they broke down in this in this uh reddit um post uh has some traits that you would uh, normally associate with old-school Finnish uh, death doom uh, kind of death metal that obviously is a little bit more of a specialty of mine going back. So I looked into some of these Estonian bands that I read about. One of them I really loved, and I bought the discography of, or the the, the CD reissue of, 
Aggressor, uh, A-G-G-R-E-S-S-O-R. Uh, their album Procreate the Petrifactions from 1992 uh, was reissued by Dark Symphonies fairly re- uh, recently in 2018 with uh, the 1991 demo as bonus tracks, which is uh, a good... It's in, The demo is a good listen, but the album really shines here. Um, and it's just one of those classic uh, kind of like... F- you know, I, I don't know if you want to say Eastern European, former Soviet countries. Um, there's, you know, a lot of. I've talked maybe about Polish bands before, and about you know a lot of a lot of you know, Russian bands um, from that era. That sometimes the charm is in the lack of production value uh, being made up for by will and determination. Um, this, one of the best parts about this band to me is that they don't necessarily have all the effects and pedals and um, things like that, but, but they have uh, and all the sounds, but all the parts are executed very well. Uh, it speaks to, it sounds like, you know, months of rehearsing these fairly technical and uh, uh, intricately composed death thrash songs. Uh, but maybe not having like all the you know all the right amps and pedals you would want to use to be like a, a commercially competitive metal band at the time. Um, the, the studio probably maybe uh, not one that's used to know, to producing extreme metal all the time. Uh, only 1992 at that point. I don't know how advanced Estonia was in terms of commercial music production to begin with, let alone extreme metal. So this is one of those things. It reminds me, Justin, of a lot of bands you brought in mm-hmm. uh, a year or two ago where you were really surfing this kind of like old school like point where thrash metal met death metal sure, yeah. like forgotten bands um that maybe could be compared to pestilence and death in some respects i remember like jumping jesus was one um there's there was a few of them yeah, but, sure, like sadist you know yeah the, yeah the, there the was old, a, like uh yeah i'll remember <laughs> go back in time there was but yeah there was a lot of stuff you were bringing in at one time that was like similar to this in that fashion where it was like the composition was like expert grade, you know, death thrash, um, uh, some really cool lead guitar st- stuff going on. But when you hear the layered guitars, it's a very similar basic guitar tone going through. The drum sound isn't necessarily bombastic, but it all serves to just accentuate the performance and how talented these guys were. And this is, it's just a classic underrated death metal album. I also got to shout out the cover art. It's got this kind of weird. Uh, I don't know. It makes me think of like the Abe's Odyssey video game, or it's just like this weird dark, or like Darkwing Duck, the cartoon, like this kind of surreal cartoon, but but dark enough and weird enough to be, you know, still a death metal album cover. Like, look at those with the weird eyeball things. It's, yeah, the eyeballs are they're like it's like pet rock. It's cool. It's all there's, pet there's, rock. There's something about it that's cool. I I like it. You know, and the logo is. The logo's very 80s, but everything is very... It's nicely illustrated. Yeah. It looks I, like it could be painted up pretty nice on the side of a Chevy Beauville. Yes. I, well, this yeah. this would make an excellent blacklight poster, would it not? Yeah, for sure. Or, for, looking, or a back piece, man. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> a little Neotrad back piece. You know who you are. Yeah, man. <laughs> so I, I just wanted to bring this up, man. And, and like Dark Symphonies reissued this in 2018, man. Definitely worth it, worth checking out. You could probably get it for a fairly reasonable price right now, man. Uh, great album. And and like I said, I got to credit n.alter.of.plagues uh, on r slash metal on Reddit uh, with the series that they uh, wrote about Baltic extreme metal history with um, getting into this. That's definitely worth checking out if you want some insight into that. Like I said, there were some connections that they drew to Finnish death metal history that I didn't realize that, that are there. So you can kind of 
keep keep branching out into those dark death doom bins from from years past. Yeah. Play out a minute. Yeah, this is pretty tight. I remember you sent me this a while ago. Yeah, we didn't talk about it yet. We right? never got to it. Yeah, yeah, it was something. I'm, yeah, I've been I've been jamming this for weeks now. This like really, I remember like putting this on and like somewhere through like the second song, I like laughed out loud at how good it was. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is great. Like, you know, well, you said something before. Uh, Reddit. Yeah. What's your relationship I, like with that website? I know. I know how to read. Yeah. I, I, despite uh, rumors to the contrary, I'm just wondering how how you interact with that site. Is it more of like you Google something and find it on Reddit, or do you browse on Reddit and look for? Because there's some really, I mean, Reddit is uh, as useful or as shitty as you want it to be in the moment. I, you can find a lot of cool death metal and gore grind and stuff like that. Actually, I think the Grindcore subreddit has been closed. Uh, to new people for a while, I don't know what it is what uh, happened there, but well, I don't like I don't have a Reddit account, okay. So I get I'm what you call a lurker mm-hmm. on Reddit. I lurk. I well, I mainly use it as one of my forms of research for the podcast. As I've said before, everyone knows I do a lot of research. Metal Archives is a huge one for me, but there are other websites, Discogs, um, Reddit, uh, you know, YouTube. Uh, there's a lot of platforms that I found are you know good for research. Reddit being one of them. So a lot of times it'll come up in Google searches, and sometimes you find comments, uh, commentary from different people in the scene that that might lead you to to, to different knowledge that I could use for uh, the interviews. And yeah, Reddit's also good for you know different sometimes uh, accessing uh, you know different news. Um, uh, current events, things going on, and and uh, you know, like, but like, actually, actually, I went on our, I think, the R Metal the other day to look for the Black Friday sales that underground labels were having. Shout to Nuclear oh. War now, I think, probably still going on for the listeners, even now that Black Friday's over, they're having a big winter sale. But um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't really go. Like I said, I don't have a Reddit account. I'm not really on Reddit like every day like that. It's mainly for research for the podcast, and sometimes if there's a news story or something I want to research for my personal life or something I'm interested in, uh, I'll look it up. I, I look up books and movies a lot. Like, if I watch a movie and I, I want to... Like, I, I was doing a lot of a lot of lurking on Reddit when I watched The Shining, and I was very into that last month, and I was looking up these little fan theories about it. A lot of those. You know, things like that. Yeah. Um, but I do know there is a lot of... There's a like like elsewhere on the internet. There's a lot of that kind of like aggressive trolling and aggressive um, polarizing political debate that goes on and things like that. I don't really wade so much into that. Well, I wouldn't be upset if you did. Yeah, because uh, it can be fun. That just goes on in the general politics uh, subreddit. Like, <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, like I, in these supposed to be neutral politics subreddit. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm aware I'm I'm aware of of uh, of, of uh, all the things Reddit can do. The best but, part of having your own account is just you, you curate your own homepage, so you don't have to be on like the r slash all all the time. Yeah, it's really yeah, and yeah. and you can save stuff easily by liking. Yeah, I used to post like metal videos here and there, like more just albums and shit, but but that's a good way to find stuff. Yeah, well, like I said, I found these like really comprehensive articles on um, not just Baltic extreme metal. If I remember correctly, there were others too going into different regions and different topics. Um, so mainly, I, mainly I stick to like metal, and sometimes I do like horror movies and movie discussions just to get more out of like a movie I watched and stuff.
Remember how I told you I only do bad reviews? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, 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 well, yeah. yeah. I actually got banned, uh, not banned, but one of my reviews scooped off IMDb because I was honest. I was very honest. <laughs> that a, a movie that was not good, wow. that had a, a cult following, this what is movie? dumb. What movie is this? It's called Promising Young Woman. Uh. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. That's the that's the Killy one, right? Yeah, it's the Killy. death in there. Yeah, the, it's not a good movie by any means. It's an okay movie. No, it's not. It's actually a bad movie because it's so heavy-handed in its themes and it lacks any story arc worth following. And it passed the time for me pretty okay. It's got Bo Burnham being uh, as unfunny as he could possibly be in it. That's very true. He there's there's so many be- attempts at big. jokes. There's like 50 jokes that just fall flat on their face in the first 15 minutes of that movie. So no coming back for me after that. And then the theme where they're just like, ah, oh, like we don't know what we're doing. It's like this serious thing, but also it's about rape the whole time. And I use the about word. Ra- it was about rape. It's all time. about rape. And it's just like, this is a heavy topic. And they don't seem to be it handling rape. it well. It had rape. I yeah, it was, it was all about rape. It's a heavy topic. And just like they handle it like shit. Like they handle it like a money grab. You know, they handle it like they're trying to make like money on poor women's stories. And going, hey, we're the good guys here. It's like, no, you're not. You're explo- This is exploitation. It's a terrible fucking movie. Hmm. Okay, I saw. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it could it could just be a story where they mention the stuff without like using like the character's motivation to just drive that story along, not having an overarching like uh, thing that they were trying to push. Yeah, and I mean, it just you know it just was that because nobody won. No, <laughs> really. no, it was, it was a tale of martyrdom, which is also fucking weird. No one wants a martyr, and for some reason, when it comes to those delicate topics, people just eat up everything. It was really like she died, and then like, oh, there's a text mess. Yeah, but we should move on here. Anyway, uh, that I, I wrote oh. an excellently worded review, and it was removed. I w- and now I'm using Letterbox. I would have liked to have read that. I have no idea about these movies. I haven't seen any of them, allegedly. Um, <laughs> no, no, I haven't seen it. Um. Uh, enough of the movie talk. Uh, we want to give some shout-outs to some listener submissions. We always accept submissions. Not like we decline submissions. Not like I block someone for emailing me a submission of their band. We're, we're friendlier than that, okay? Not like other podcasts. But we're not always going to play every listener-submitted band on the show. Then we Then the whole show would just be us playing listener-submitted bands, because you guys send us a lot of stuff. But... A little thing we're doing now is if it's not necessarily metal, if it's not necessarily something that you hear on our show or hear us talk about all the time, we, we will, we'll give it a little spin. We'll give it a shake. That's right. So, uh, yeah, Nick, Nick sent in uh, his band People Suit. Nick uh, plays guitar, bass, and uh, produced this one. I thought the production was pretty cool. Uh, it isn't metal, per se. It's aggressive. But it's kind of like... Um, what was the word you used before? I liked it. it was well. It reminded me of a blend of like early, like '90s screamo and grunge that I like to call scrunjo. 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 Appropriately, because this was recorded at a please quiet please recordings in Seattle. Huh. Ah, scrunchy. Yeah. So very scrunchy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah so it's cool. Uh, uh, progressive, somewhat in in nature. Reminded me a bit of Faith No More. Um, yeah, interesting stuff. Worth a shake, like we say. Shout, shout to him, and thank you for supporting the show.
right, yeah, and then one more that I wanted to run past you guys real quick. Josh Bleaks. Shout out to our listener, Josh Bleaks. He uh, shot us this project of his, which is decidedly not metal. And also, uh, I got to show you this. He works at a record store out there in Minneapolis, um, and he had uh, a local artist, I-, I think, had these coloring books for sale. Look at these, Justin. Where can I get those? Yeah, Sade. That is Colored. beautiful. Look at that. Sade coloring books. Those are nice for the holidays. Yeah, look at these Sade coloring let me, let me see. Um, yeah, he said his local coffee spot had these Sade coloring books. We're going to look into that. Sade coloring book by Andre Hollingsworth. You can look up Andre Hollingsworth, uh, coloring book maker, I guess, online if you're interested in this Sade co- uh, coloring book. But Josh, um, Josh Bleaks, thank you for bringing this to our attention. And also, a uh, quick shout out to your project, Carriage Geist. No relation to Ultrageist, I understand. I, I mean, ghosts don't even go in characters. I don't yeah. even know what that is. A geist uh, of a different gander. His name doesn't even make sense. But again, not necessarily a metal project. Um, I have a, a younger, cooler personality. The one that li- the one that wears skinny jeans mm. and they're alone in my house. And he told me that this might be called trip hop. If you're like eating an edible, you could put this on. So that's study music. Yeah, carriage geist. Yeah, studying allegedly. Yeah, so shout to Nick Serino and shout to Josh, man. We appreciate them sharing. As we said, we can't share every single extreme metal project that comes our way, but if you send us something a little off the beaten path that can't be described as metal, we might give it a shake. We might put it up there. Who knows? Maybe not. I don't know. Consider yourself lucky. Yeah, consider yourself lucky. But you know what we will probably put up regardless? A voicemail. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's one more time, Tom. I'm going to ask you one more time to hit him with that beautiful number. It's in, all right, it's 631-837-3274. That's just for the people who play that number for the lotto. I I can't believe you just said it out loud. I can't believe you don't have it saved in your phone yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Call me already. Actually, for the amount of times I've said it, and they're coming in light recently. Yeah, they are. We had are. a good spike a little while back. Yeah. Call me already. God damn it. Yeah, well, you call know, me. winter's coming. People are isolating in. You know, give us a call while you're there, while you're snowed in or whatever you're doing, or while you're down in Key West fishing for the for the winter. Man, give us a call. Can you text that number? You can text. Yeah, you can text. We can get text. Oh, text. So Some people are afraid to call. If you send us a text message to that number, we may read it. Yeah, I'm if saying you're if all. It's worth it. I'm saying you're all yeah. afraid to call. If it's and weird. if you if you really are afraid, you could text. Yeah, uh, and you should work on that. Where the heavy old podcast? Yeah, okay. We can help you. Yeah, we can. You can, we can literally have this conversation with you and build you up from texting the heavy hole to eventually calling the heavy hole. Also, if you call during the show. You're on the show. You're on the show. You're going to be on the show. We're going to pick up. I'm going to say hello. Well, you're going to go. What? I I didn't know it was supposed to be like that. Yeah, we're going to be interviewing a guest. (laughs) Hold on, Gene Simmons. Yeah, I got to talk to Brian Appleson. Oh, and Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons charges by the minute. Um, (laughs) But uh, one more thing, Tom. I'm sorry. I got to ask you something. What was the band? Oh, I saw this email. Paver. Pavor. Pavor. Yeah, yeah. P A V O R. I'm going to go into it right now. 
Oh, and one more thing, though. Uh, you know, yeah, you can, you can leave us a little text message or a voicemail. You can also email heavyholepodcast at gmail.com. Um, just like uh, Garrett did. Uh, shout out to our listener, Garrett. Not to blow up his spot, but uh, at the end of the, um, I think it was uh, one of the Thanksgiving episodes or something from last week, um, we talked about Pavor, the German band. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, could you spell that for me, sir? P A V O R. Yeah, so big shout to Garrett, because if he missed it, a couple other listeners might have. You could look at that, that old school German band that we were talking about there. So P-A-V-O-R. Sick Almost tech. Got it right. Yeah. yeah, sick sick tech, sick tech. Uh, big shout to Kyle from Undeath, another sick dude that was on the show tonight. We, we appreciate his uh, candor. Uh, shout out to those guys. Big shout out to Rochester, New York, our friends to the north. Must be cold. Yeah. Oh, yeah, especially by now, man. Um, but you know what you can do if you're cold? You can get yourself a nice little hat, put a little Heavy Hole Podcast patch on it, mm. sew it up, put, use safety pins like the punk rock people do. We're doing a crossover promotion with Dr. Martin. Are we? Uh, yeah, but it's not the shoe. It's I, a guy named Dr. Martin. Yeah, I'm hoping it's the yeah. British the British television series. Yeah, he's, the, yeah we're he, going to have him on. That's the Dr. Martin we need to really cross-promote with now. Yeah, that's, yeah we got to step it up a notch. He's going to tell us about the first time he listened to Black Sabbath, and we're not yeah. going to air that one. Yeah, me, me and Adam. Be boring. We're going to have a two-hour bonus episode for Christmas where Adam and I talk about faulty towers, all right? It's coming at you. Love it. Listen, no, Heavy Hole Podcast. Uh, Kyle from Undeath, we encourage you to check out Undeath and all the music we talked about on this episode. Um, and we encourage you to uh, fast forward uh, past everything we talk about at the end. No, no, I appreciate you guys. It's glad to have you back, Justin. Thank you for the candor. Thank you for your banter. Listen, we love it all. Uh, you gotta wear shirts, right? You buy the shirts. You gotta patch up holes in your life. I don't you have perfect, to wear a shirt. I don't have to <laughs> wear a shirt. Thing for the perfect little thing for you. Um, you know, listen, it's the season, right? Everybody says this. Yes, yeah, the season for t-shirts. What are you talking? It's about? the season it's, for go to heavyholepodcast.com. If you buy a shirt, if when you're in the winter and you want to be a little more extreme, you cut your sweaters into short sleeve t-shirts. Right, because just you never really appreciate a little bit of fabric on your arms until you don't have it, and it's really cold and you need it, and uh, better to have it than not need it. Yeah, and need it to want it. Have another one. <laughs>